Hi everyone, welcome to the Slug Club where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Justin from Hufflepuff here, joined by my friends Liz from Slytherin, Abby from Ravenclaw, and of course my brother Rob from Gryffindor who's never read the books. In today's club meeting, we jump back into our discussion revolving around some of the most heinous things found within the dark arts. In our previous meeting, we talked about one of the most dreadful places any witch or wizard can find themselves in, Azkaban Prison. How it came to be, who discovered the island fortress, the sinister atrocities conducted there, and what became of the island following the events of Harry Potter. In this episode, the club will be discussing the terrifying creatures that lurk and plague Azkaban. Dementors. But before we jump into our discussion for today, let's talk quickly about this episode's sponsor. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, that's right, you guys, and I'm really excited. I gotta be honest with you, really thrilled about this uh, particular advertisement. You see, I don't know if you were a big fan of reality TV shows in the early days of reality TV. I'm talking about before the days of Duck Dynasty and Love is Blind. I'm talking about the Wild West of reality shows. It wasn't even just reality, it was surreal. It was surreality. The surreal life, of course. Yeah, it, it, you know, you had things like that were just wild. I'm talking about MTV reality days, the challenge. I'm talking about Jersey the real Shore. world, where it was like so much. It wasn't really the real world so much as it was just like real idiots in the world. You know, it was like <laughs> here we've got a bunch of people whose one thing they want in life is just to be famous, <laughs> and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And then they just like come and just be absolutely obnoxious and annoying, you know. But there was there were some great gems, and I'm talking, of course, about a show that you couldn't film today. I'm talking about Scared Straight. Oh, Scared Straight. Oh. Scared Straight, right? Well, this, you guys. I mean, not only was Scared Straight necessary for you know the Muggle community where you had delinquent children who were getting into constant trouble and they sent them to prison to experience what prison is actually like, to show them what, what lies ahead if they continue on this path. But, you know, also, it's necessary in the wizarding world, which is why we're having an advertisement for Scared Straight Wizard Edition. Here we go. Hello there. I'm Knightly Lockhart, and I've been tasked with a very specific duty which is taking delinquent children at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry who are on the path of becoming, shall we say, Death Eaters. Now, the previous uh, discipline programs at Hogwarts seem to be failing at producing effective and good citizens. Rubius Hagrid is distressed that his casual walks through Forbidden Forest haven't been effective in setting delinquents on straight and narrow. He seems to have forgotten the program that put him on the right path. A program with questionable practices where we take wayward students and we show them where the wayward ways will take them. Azkaban Prison. And we allow the actual inmates to yell ludicrously illicit things at minors. But while our methods are <laughs> questionable, they have proven successful. As with some of our successes in the past, like Rubius Hagrid, the Marauders, and one paper salesman from Pennsylvania. Today... <laughs> We've got six students going through the program. Let's meet our six people. First, a pair of twins, Fred and George Weasley. Fred and George are coming here to Azkaban today for poisoning students and faculties with their fake treats. Let's hear how their interaction with the inmates went. Oh, you like sweet things? 
Well, I got something for you that you'll feel in your stomach, boys. Oh. <laughs> what? What's that supposed to mean? Up next, we've got Draco Malfoy. Draco's here today for casting an Imperius curse on a fellow student. If you thought Sectum Sempra was bad, wait till I hit you with a Rectum Sempra. No. No. And you say that my comments have. Are you kidding me? Also, we're bringing along one of the biggest and the baddest that Hogwarts has got to offer, Gregory Goyle. Gregory's here for attacking a female student in the Room of Requirement. Hey, you like beating on females? Well, I'm gonna make you my woman. Hold my wand. We're gonna take a walk. <laughs> they let you have your wands in here. They do not. Also, we've got another one of the Malfoy group. It's Vincent Crabb. Crabb. <laughs> Easier for participating in the 2011 London riots. Crab, is that you? What's good, fam? Hey, say hi to your mother for me. And finally, we've got Harry Potter. You might be wondering, what is poor old Harry doing in Azkaban prison? Well, not only has he broken curfew, but he's also entered the restricted section, the Forbidden Forest, the Third Floor Corridor, and known to be in possession of an invisibility cloak, impersonating students with polyjuice potion, also breaking 50 school rules, starting an underground fight club, and casting <laughs> unforgivable curses. <laughs> the first rule about fight club is you don't talk about fight club. Wait, you're not totally incorrect. <laughs> underground fight club. Oh, you think you're the chosen one, eh? You think you're so special? Well, guess what? I just bought you for two pumpkin pasties, mate. Well, there you have it. We've had our six students getting through the program. They've been scared straight. Well, there it is, you guys. Scared straight wizarding edition. I'll tell you what. I certainly would hate to go to Azkaban. Seems like a real rough crowd. We are definitely going to need, like, an explicit... <laughs> what are you talking about explicit? It's innuendo. There's nothing explicit. It is suggestive. Rectum <laughs> Sempra is my wand. Rectum Sempra is that jinx that Rob got hit with over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I felt it. I'll tell you what, you don't want that Rectum Sempra. If you thought, if you thought, I mean, Sectum Sempra, while it tears you up on the outside, Rectum Sempra tears you up from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, some of this is not appropriate for children. Listen, if anything, if this was in the 80s, this would have been a PG episode. <laughs> That's right. It would have been a PG episode. That's for sure. Much like much beloved movies like The Sandlot, Goonies, Back to the Future. <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. No. So we know that Azkaban was founded by this dark wizard, Chrysdis, and it is believed that he was plaguing this island with his dark magic and torturing muggles luring muggles in and conducting bizarre experiments upon them throughout the 15th and 16th centuries and it's believed also that because of the travesties that were occurring on the island as a direct result from the pain and despair being generated produced the dark creatures that later on infested the island came into being known as dementors 
As Prison Mike said, the worst part about <laughs> prison was the Dementors. Um, <laughs> I thought you were calling Justin Prison Mike. No. <laughs> Dementors. Yeah, so they are 12 feet tall, about 4 meters if you're British or the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> cloaked, <laughs> hooded, wraith-like, dark magical creatures with slimy, scabby, gray skin. And when they breathe, they release this horrible rattling sound. And if you're lucky, all they do is they feed on your happiness, leaving you with feelings of depression and despair and howling loneliness. And if you're unlucky, they will just suck the soul out of your body, leaving you in a permanent vegetative state. Some um, of you may recognize that rattling sound from Abby's microphone during this episode. <laughs> so are you just it saying it wasn't the whole time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so no one really knows why the Dementors just kind of inhabited that island. They just seemingly showed up. No. Do you think that they, like, migrated there because of the pain and suffering that was going on? Or do you think it's so, kind of like a poltergeist situation where at the founding of Hogwarts, you know, you have all this childish mischief on the grounds. Maybe it's just something that came into being as a result of those just, things. It could have very well just spawned from there because of that. Because um, Kingsley, or one of I can't, or one of the ministers of magic when he was talking to the British prime minister, I can't remember. Um, he was talking about um how dementors like the fog was happening because that's them breeding. But um, when I was doing research, it implied that um they don't breed they just kind of spawn up like and populate like a fungus of some sort oh so, i believe that was fudge who said that abby yeah 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 that was so five. Um, yeah yeah you're correct so um maybe you know i'd say just that being a desolate place it's very possible that they just kind of came to be because oh, really? it was that's a very, a, like, good said? place to live for them. Fudge said um, fog was a sign of them breeding. Oh, I heard something different. I heard that whenever a, a white woman posts a picture of pumpkin spice lattes, that a dementor <laughs> that is <born>. causes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words for that. I mean, I like the idea of spawning like a fungus much more than imaging two dementors getting it on. I mean, it's not like it's they're mammals, foggy. right? They it's do not like they're laying eggs humanoid. either. Yeah, they, I would agree with Rob. They're humanoid, so. Yeah, so. Uh, or do they take on the human shape because of what they pull from humans? So, like, Ooh. they drain humans of, like, their happiness and everything. And so, like, maybe that's just the shape that they take on because that's where they're getting their life force or energy from? Maybe. Um, I did see um, that Dementors are possibly related. It's not been confirmed to um, a dangerous and carnivorous magical beast called a lethifold, 
And what they do is they look very similar to dementors, but um, they prey on humans while they're asleep by suffocating them and then devouring them. And they only are found in tropical climates. The only known survivor of a lethifold attack was some wizard named Flavius Belby. Um, he was on holiday in Papua, Papua New Guinea, and uh, he managed to repel um, an attack because he was not fully asleep. He conjured a Patronus um, at the last possible second, and that caused the lethifold to like release him oh. and go away. So, that lethifolds are class five, the highest rating. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> also called living shrouds, lethefolds are cunning, deadly creature resembling nothing more than a shadow or black cloak. Mm-hmm. We know the name Belby. Marcus Belby was part of the Slug Club. Yes, he was. He's a fellow do we, member. Do we remember why he was in the Slug Club? Uh, I think it was because of his uncle or something like that. Oh yeah, the uncle who made the Wolfsbane potion. Yeah. Ooh. That doesn't yeah. talk to him very much. Says the potions yeah. for toss pots or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just spouting some sort of toxic anti-potion rhetoric. Boo. But yeah, yeah so they're also referenced in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them too. Yeah, oh, I don't remember that. That's very so, possible. Abby, do you does this imply then that a Dementor is a creature that is indigenous and stays in the northern European area? So it seems that way, um, because it doesn't seem like other regions really have them. Um no one really talks about them. The only way that, or the only other times that um, Dementors have really popped up elsewhere is because the ministry, um, once they employed them, they would send them off to, like, you know, fulfill their bidding or whatever. So I think they are just kind of, I don't want to say stuck, but they just inhabit the United Kingdom area. Interesting. But, yeah, they yeah, seem as- like they're pretty... I don't know if they're rounded up and then brought to Azkaban as well. Like, I mean, maybe that's something that Aurors would do. Would be that well, they would collect them and then just usher them, shepherd them over. Well, as we talked about, like, earlier, um, you know, they found Azkaban, the <laughs> like, which is an island in the North Sea. And it was just infested with them. And they were just absolutely horrified to find them there and i it doesn't really seem like they are mentioned or really talked about before that discovery of finding them there so i think it's just that's where they spawned and then they just kind of lurked around there and then they found better things when people showed up and they started feasting on them so maybe something about azkaban really helped sustain them or maybe they just kind of changed when humans got involved that isn't really known because they're not really chummy types of creatures that talk about what's going on with their lives but Mm -hmm. one thing that is kind of interesting is you know you think that they all they do is they just feed and they like float around and that's it but um it does talk about how dementors bury people that die on azkaban so apparently they are capable of physical labor so i don't know i'm not there's a lot of like mystery that kind of shrouds them i think that with the ministry it's very like need to know basis because they're just so unpleasant 
Yeah, I mean, we know that they talk to them, right? So we're assuming the Dementors Mm -hmm. have their own language. Yeah. But you would think, England being who England is, that they would have capitalized on that physical labor portion. (laughs) I mean, they definitely capitalized on uh, basically free guards. Yeah. For Mm -hmm. the most powerful wizards, like, hey, you know, as long as you make sure these guys don't escape, you can just suck the absolute will to live out of these people by all means. (laughs) Oh, Lord have mercy. I thought it was going to be another wild thing that Abby said. No, are you kidding? No. We've lost too many viewers because of the things Abby has said. I feel like that is not the case at all. No one has directly complained. They have another. They have another language. I think Abby thinks it's parcel mouth. <laughs> it's parcel Lord. tongue. Got that. Got that. Got that. <laughs> Abby was like, "They suck the absolute." <laughs> I was like, "Oh gosh, it's you're the worse. dirty birdie." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, so obviously, like you know, they are able to converse with the ministry or they have some sort of mutual understanding, but you know, Dementors have no true loyalty. Their only exception is, you know, who it's basically who is going to make sure that they are fed. And Mm -hmm. as we saw when Voldemort came back, they defected over to the Dark Lord's cause versus, you know, there's that mass outbreak in Azkaban, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, and as we talked about um previously it doesn't quite seem like they can be destroyed you know it's implied that they might be able to be starved off but it's not actually been seen from my understanding and of course as we all know the only defense against them is the use of the patronus charm and i mean i feel like so after shacklebolt did we already talk about how shacklebolt replaces them as with yeah Guards. No one set, No one knows where they went. That is never talked about because I looked into that and it just says that he sent them away. I get the sense that it seems like you could probably starve them off. But I mean, I would think that they would have ample supply of people with happy thoughts or people with, you know, just like any kind of life in them. Mm-hmm. You know, muggles obviously cannot see Dementors. Mm-hmm. So I would mm-hmm. think that Dementors could just be going up to muggles everywhere. Just, you know, Giving right. Dementors the kiss. Dement- yeah. And yeah, so the problem with good intentions with unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Right. So Kingsley's like, you know what? This is pretty inhumane what we're doing to these, you know, dark wizards and criminals, having them in there being basically just food to appease these creatures. We're just going to replace that. We're going to treat the guard, the, the inmates better. And instead we're just going to release the Dementors. Not it's like in an ideal society, that, you know, Kingsley's trying to create, right, by making it a more equitable, uh, you know, kind of treatment for inmates, convicted mm-hmm. criminals, by having more humane, you know, conditions for them. But mm-hmm. also, if you have an ideal society, you also have ideal happiness for Dementors to feed off of, right? So you're causing innocent lives to be, you know, really put at risk through this decision. I feel like this is reckless. This seems like one of those kind of uh, political moves that people make to, to you know, have a, a good uh, publicity moment, but then just yeah. have terrible consequences in real life. Yeah. It's like it's all about going mean, electric with cars. 
also in the news, depression what? amongst Hogwarts students at an all-time high. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, it almost feels like a necessary evil. It's like, you can't eradicate Dementors because the Patronus charm doesn't destroy them. It doesn't defeat them or vanquish them. All it does is appease their, you know, hunger for yeah. happiness um, to the point where they're away. just like, even if you, you know, even when uh, Harry casts the Patronus charm, that feeds like, you know, dozens of Dementors. It, it, they don't die. They don't be like, oh, wither. they eventually are just like, oh, I'm good now. How about you guys? <laughs> All right. You know, let's just, let's just get out of here, I guess. <laughs> it's like, which is good because I imagine Dementors probably look at people uh, and wizards as like, you know, we look at dairy cows. You know, <laughs> you can't just go and suck the soul out of every single dairy cow. You go like, hey, I enjoy this thing's milk. So I'm just going to, you know, milk a little at a time. All right. Just, you know, I'll, I'll let it live. Keep it in a nice pasture. I'll just come back whenever I'm hungry or thirsty. Oh, it's like being a vampire in Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have <laughs> it's, you know, vampire withdrawals. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I Googled how to kill a Dementor and I came upon a Reddit thread for Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that seems would, legit. That would. I'm in this. I'm in, I'm, I'm in this. Legit. <laughs> The conclusion that I'm getting is that with Abby, you can't kill a Dementor. What you would mm -hmm. need to do is you would need to trap it someplace where it can't get out. Yeah, like a and pocket then just dimension. Leave it there. So like that thing Newt's commander had the Obscurus. Hmm. No, don't don't kill it. It's harmless. Right. So you trap it in a room where it can't escape and block its way out with they call it a spirit guardian block its way out with a patronus or something while also then i mean they're saying well also dealing damage i'm i think that's a dungeon yeah dragon. that's a D, &D term yeah, yeah. <laughs> dealing damage <laughs> in order to kill them for the sake of playing the game but i love how you were like dealing day you you passed over spirit guardian <laughs> like to, in order to deal damage, that's a DD term, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, radiant damage would be super effective. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely has vulnerability to radiant damage and immunity to necrotic and poison damage, you know, probably acid as well or cold. I bet one of its attack actions is a rechargeable, you know, like some sort of foul, cold breath, necrotic breath that if it reduces you to zero hit points, you die outright and you don't roll death saving throws. I don't know what any of that means, but it's I just so wanted to go. Yeah, I just wanted to go farther down until only one person who listens to this will even understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> like Daniel Tosh's comedy. <laughs> Adds tags seems... that keep getting more and more specific, and you just hear people laughing less and less until there's like one person laughing at a tag. It seems like that would be like a reasonable solution, though, is that Shacklebolt and all of his orders went patronus to the crap out of the dementors until they locked him into like pandora's box or something and then they just, they just kind of sheep herded them into a little area or whatever right mm -hmm. the only this sounds like some stupid stuff. idea that granger would have came up with like freeing the house elves <laughs> where are they gonna go they've never had it better you know to be fair you know working at hogwarts a heck of a lot better than being with the blacks you know or uh the mouth creature seemed to love his life with the blacks i don't know he was <laughs> thriving yes, mistress beautiful mistress walberga <laughs> precious mother mistress <laughs> is he like Gollum? 
I think I think uh, creature also had the uh, pain and pleasure locations of the brain crossed a little bit. <laughs> I'm seeing also that there are dementors in the Forbidden Forest, but I don't yeah. know if that's in Hogwarts Legacy or this Lego Potter. That is not in the Hogwarts Legacy. Okay. You do not encounter any any uh, dementors, and you cannot learn the Patronus charm. In Hogwarts. That's only when that's only but when they were allowed onto Hogwarts grounds, though, right? Right, because I think it was to keep you know anyone from trying to come into Hogwarts, whether it be through the Forbidden Forest or elsewhere. I bet they're in the Black Lake. Yeah, <laughs> just floating around in the Black <laughs> Lake. The Mer people are like, oh no, <laughs> the shadows. Well, do you think that Dementors need to breathe air? Probably not. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they 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 literally only subsist on happiness. You know, it's like that's their their means of sustenance. Um, but here's the problem, I think, with the uh, Shacklebolt Pandora's box dilemma is you can't really eradicate them because they just pop up. You know, like uh, what Fudge said, they just kind of, you know, arise like a fungus. Mm. And so it's like you can't really ever eradicate them because more Dementors will always pop up. So what do you do? You have to you have to make a decision, you know, and this is back to the sword of Damocles, because you don't you you might uh, adore the riches of power, you know, and all the privilege being at your feet. But the sword that hangs over your head that you have to make those tough decisions. And I don't mean to sound like uh, Jack Nicholson's character in A Few Good Men. Where it's like, you better be glad I'm up on that wall (laughs) because you need me on the wall. (laughs) You can't handle the truth. But, I mean, it's, it seems like a necessary decision that has to be made. It's like, all right, we can eradicate. Ideally, we would love to eradicate these creatures because all they do is feed off of happiness and joy. And they, they're not even like mosquitoes where it's like, don't you know mosquitoes, you know, like they, they create all of the Instagram filters. You know, it's like it's not it's not even anything useful that they do. Um, yeah. all they do is just feed off of, uh, off of people's joy and, uh, leave, you know, leave, leave just depression and, and howling loneliness. That was a description Howl- that Abby gave that I thought was interesting. <laughs> howling loneliness. That was a um, quote from, uh, Land of the Lost. That's what I was thinking. When they ate the fruit or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you listed that one and not one of the other particular side effects that was listed. Um, but so you have to make a decision about what you what you can do um, since, you know, eradication seems to be pretty impossible um, to ever really eradicate them. However, you can create a place where they are permitted to operate, you know, and you have sort of an uneasy alliance with them, an uneasy kind of a dirty deal. You know, but it, it, uh, I would personally rather Dementors be, uh, you know, able to feed on convicted criminals than like, you know, children at Hogwarts mm-hmm. or just yeah, random I mean, muggles. Like a lesser of two evils. Feel, yeah, it doesn't make you feel good that they're doing it, but if you're going to choose between the two, you're kind of like, well. It also yeah. seems like the, to cast a Patronus charm seems like a significantly higher degree of magic yeah than a typical wizard than a typical wizard would even be able to produce Mm -hmm. so the thought of that's your basically one of your only defenses against dementors only defense 
or, or you you run faster than your other friend. <laughs> <laughs> Another effective countermeasure. Having you do that with lovely cousin with you <laughs> seems to be a good countermeasure. As the U.S. Parks and Recreation Department announced, do not push your friend down when you are running away from a bear. I saw that. <laughs> the National Parks posted that. <laughs> you know they hired a Gen Z kid to like handle their social media. Oh, it's like that movie Without a Paddle where they come across the bear. Yeah. And it's taking off his shoes. He's like, What are you doing? I'm taking off my shoes. I run faster without my shoes. There's no way you can outrun that bear. I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. It's true. There's other sites throughout the um, Harry Potter series, though, too. Like when Harry is overjoyed when he's able to return to life after um, be, having the Horcrux inside him being vanquished, um, it's mentioned that the Dementors can't even approach him because of the amount of happiness that he is um, experiencing. So, like, there's other ways that you can kind of thwart Dementor attacks, but, I mean, obviously the best defense would be able to cast a Patronus Charm, but it's not like they're teaching that at Hogwarts. And how are they preparing the normal or typical wizarding community in defense of this new change with Dementors are just roaming free now, apparently? Maybe those uh, Dementors, when they were, uh, you know, when they couldn't approach, supposedly couldn't approach uh, Harry after he had come back from uh, come back from the dead. Maybe they were just getting a contact high off him. Maybe they're just like being in, in the same room as Snoop Dogg, you know, just like, <laughs> like, man, just being around this person is getting getting me full, you know? <laughs> they're like, oh, man, I, I'm I'm good. I was going to try to suck your soul, man. But jeez, you really you really filled me up, man. Thanks. <laughs> it's like... So train of thought. Depressed individuals, they take medication, right? So would a dementor be able to feed off of somebody who is medically managing depression. Right. Hmm. I would say no. I would say no because of the chemical balance has been established. And so there isn't the same amount of depravity or loneliness that they're experiencing. So well, would that mood be stabilizer. the fix then? Is that everybody just thinks they're depressed, but really... There's Dementors walking around. And so then... <laughs> like I said... You just got a Dementor that just hangs over there. you. Well, we do know that Dementors were created out of the thought of experiencing depression, um, which mm -hmm. is something that J.K. Rowling had bouted with for many years as she was mm -hmm. creating the book or even yeah. before she was creating the series. One thing I would also say is uh, with the medication, I mean, they're they're mood stabilizers, meaning that they don't it's not that the medication is to make you euphoric or, you know, mm -hmm. overly. Joy it's just to put you at level, you know, um, yeah. and basically like, OK, well, you're way down here. Let's at least let's get you stable. Let's just let's just put it up to stable there. Often, I mean, you see this with like with like drug use that uh, produces, you know, kind of euphoric feelings where you have that high dopamine. Once you return to base level, you actually dip below base level. So it's like with the highs come the real lows. But, you know, it's, a, it's the idea of being, you know, stabilized. 
So I would say even then you're you're not like if if the theory that we're going off of is dementors are attracted to particularly happy individuals, which I would say probably not because the ones who are most affected by the dementors are people who have faced uh, real atrocities and terrors like Harry mm-hmm. was in Prisoner of Azkaban, which mm-hmm. is what uh, which is what Professor Lupin says to him. The reason why the dementors had that such effect on him wasn't because he's experienced more joy than the other students, but because he's experienced more hardship and more horrors and trauma. Right. So maybe they're they're fed off of people. Oh, I'm just thinking about this. Maybe their their you know favorite meal, so to speak, is people who have been through trauma and ha- and are now experiencing happiness. Maybe Ooh. that's a much more much oh. more powerful thing for people who have uh, experienced you know real hardship and trauma, and then the the value of the happiness is so much greater. Hmm, it's an interesting thought. Food for thought. I mean, Malfoy's happiness isn't worth that much. That guy's had everything handed to him on a silver platter. I mean, that's just low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and you know also, what they say about low-hanging fruit. It rots the fastest. Also, though, Malfoy's dad definitely hates him. Definitely hates him. There. <laughs> so, oh, I, I don't crazy. know. He's not feeling too much love. Oh, so. <laughs> His dad definitely hates him. <laughs> and on that note, what a burning insult. Liz, I don't think we've ever talked about what your Patronus would be if you were ever to cast a Patronus. Because I think obviously, we me, about Abby. It in the very first episode, didn't we? Well, me, Abby, and Rob have done an Admagus episode where we talked about what our Patronuses would be. Ooh. But you weren't there on that episode, I don't think. Oh. I mean, mine would definitely be a dog of some kind. Well, what's your. What's your uh, Animagus form, or your Patronus form on Wizarding World. Wizarding World. Who? I have no idea. I don't. Oh, we got to take the quiz. I did. It's not what you want it to be. When we first did it, I took it. We really we need to check this. I know. I need to go back and listen and figure out what it was. Well, you just log in. Let's do it. Go back and listen. Do you know how long it's going to take me to log in? It would be faster for me to go back and listen. What is it? What is it called? Is it Wizarding World? Wizarding yeah, World. Yep. What do you mean it would go be faster to go hunt down the podcast and, <laughs> and find the specific? <laughs> because I don't know what email is. I don't know what my password is. It'd be Liz would, it would rather be faster to create a new password and a new account and then take the test than going through our hours <laughs> hours of material. Of raw, unfiltered, all the unedited Fraggle Rock references <laughs> down in Fraggle Rock. What if Lizzie's uh, Lizzie's Patronus is a Fraggle? No, it would definitely be a doozer. They just pull it up randomly. You are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of the most legendary rare. <laughs> <Patronuses>. <laughs> Turns I wonder. I'm, I'm a doozer. <laughs> now, because Liz is nine months pregnant, and I mean she's going through a lot of hormonal changes right now. If she did retake the quiz, uh, can we even trust the results? Yeah, no. can we even trust the results? Mm, that's no. a good point. If anything, but we'd just for... be figuring out the child's Patronus, <laughs> <laughs> which could be a valuable insight. 
Okay, so I logged in and it says it looks like you had a Pottermore account. So I like filled out the new stuff again, but then it wants me to retake the quiz. So it's oh, retake it. I can't retake it. You kidding me? Why not? It takes two minutes. Do it. Okay, Patronus. (laughs) Patronus. Okay. (laughs) Kill him now. (laughs) Well done, Anakin. Kill him now. So for those of you who have not listened to our Animagus episode that we filmed, what, like a year and a half ago now? To revisit, if, if I can even think back on what my Patronus would be, my Patronus we've talked about could potentially be a black swan or a wildcat. Oh, I thought Rob was going to jump in. Take the big <laughs> cat. Let him Hold run. On. Let him run. He's like, by the reins, let him run. In the rain. <laughs> That's right. No, That's we right. sell with black. We sell with uh, the blackbird. I think we did settle with black, black swan. swan. Yeah. So I would have a black swan Patronus. Um, and then wing. Rob, yours, your Patronus would be a stoat. A stoat, which I need to send you guys a video. I saw the, I saw this video of a seven week old stoat meeting another stoat for the first time, and it is it adorable. Cute? I'm interested. Adorable. And then Abby, you had an osprey, right? Yep. Yeah. It's like a falcon. One of the one of the more yeah. common Patronuses. Are one of the more common me? seagulls. Yes. <laughs> one of the yeah, more basic seagulls. A little one of the more basic nerd, Patronuses. <laughs> it's a Pocono swallow, closely related to some of the coastal gulls. <laughs> As Abby is sipping on her pumpkin spice latte. It is a red wine. How dare you? <laughs> I'm it's really excited. Gorgio. I think that we should take a poll as to what we think Liz's Patronus will be. I think I mean, Liz is going to get some kind of workhorse. Oh, I was just about to say draft horse. I think so. I think she's going to get some kind of mare. You look at, yeah, I mean, as definitely some sort of domesticated animal is my guess. Saint Bernard is what I got. Yep, there we go. Really? Oh, a yeah. working dog. A working I mean, dog. Just not, some sort of working not just animal. A, not just a lap dog, a working dog. Well, it's not. Well, Saint Bernard's not. <laughs> a lap no, dog they're not lap dogs, but it's like not like a domesticated animal that's like, oh, it's a life of leisure, but like, no, get up and go to work. No, it, I just think because, uh, you know, with the way that the test is set up where it has like these different things that you pref- what are things that are important to Liz? Obviously, the hardest working member of the slug club. You've also got what is high on Liz's priorities? Efficiency, you know, like determination. <laughs> it's like those are I was just like, I feel like it's going to be like some sort of work animal, you know, that's yeah. going to be maybe that's a gopher. Okay. According to Wizarding World, (laughs) (laughs) a groundhog. (laughs) I mean, it's not going to be the American beaver, you know, although they are some of the most diligent working of all of the net. They're nature's engineers. (laughs) That's right. According to Wizarding World, a St. Bernard Patronus is the sixth most popular Patronus. Is that a dog type? You mean common? It says the sixth most popular Patronus is a type of dog. So it doesn't necessarily say a St. Bernard is the sixth most popular, but the sixth most popular is a type of dog. And like a basset hound is possible. Like cats, mm. there are quite, or they are, or there are quite a few friendly canines in the top 20. But the St. Bernard comes out 
top dog, a gentle giant. The St. Bernard reminds us a little of Rubius Hagrid in nature. Apart from its size, this breed has become well known for performing search and rescue, saving lives in the mountains. You're likely to have bravery with a St. Bernard as your Patronus, as well as a big heart, even if you don't wear it on your sleeve. Well, we know bravery is not in my list of traits. Yeah, take it again. <laughs> I do think I do think that you being in Slytherin kind of negates a Saint Bernard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Anxiety if a Saint Bernard would be a better uh, <laughs> a better like, I would think a dog Patronus to be like a Hufflepuff kind of trait because of how loyal dogs typically are. Yeah, I can see that. Do we Liz think like, that this is an accurate portrayal of Liz or could these be the hormonal changes? I'm going to say yes in this in this way. Liz acts. Liz is like a uh, St. Bernard if a St. Bernard is less motivated by saving people and more motivated by the treats. This is true. This is true. You know what I mean? Like if it like in when uh when you train, you know, like uh canine German shepherds. You know, it's like it's like, "Hey, go bite that person." Ah! It's like, "Here's a biscuit." <laughs> like, if some Kevin dogs there. if Kevin were a patronus, it would be Kevin. Full of anxiety, incredibly smart, loyal to his man, destroys the bathroom. Destroys the bathroom. Not in the we'll way do people anything think. <laughs> that was that was your bathroom, right? That was when you guys all lived together yeah. with uh, when yes. it was Liz, Abby, and that Nick all living living Kevin together. Separation anxiety. Yeah. He mauled the bathroom. <laughs> he mauled the bathroom door, shredded his toy, and then defecated all over the place. <laughs> oh, the poor guy. And then I. Fu- up. I found him and he was shivering. He was so upset. <laughs> shivering in his own fecal waste. Yeah. <laughs> face down, skull sucked. <laughs> skull sucked face down. Meanwhile, I was at a floor. conference in Madison, Wisconsin, and I just kept getting pictures from Abby. Oh, no. This is what Kevin did today. <laughs> so, so, according to this random Tumblr, account um patronus analysis zero two five saint bernard those with this patronus are playful and bright in character yeah perfect description to liz playful right bright the cast to cast this patronus takes a large and loyal heart people with this patronus are typically thoughtful and committed once they pledge allegiance to someone those who cast the saint bernard show true commitment to friends family and to lovers Mm. Ooh, oh. lover. I almost wanted to say it in like an Antonio Banderas accent. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Lovers. <laughs> What's the Saturday Night Live uh, sketch where it's Jason Siegel playing uh, Antonio Banderas? And it's like, and your lover, Regis. <laughs> it's like they're finding a new host for Regis and Kelly uh, that Regis mm. retired. And it's like, Antonio yeah, Banderas yeah. is up next. And it's like, and your lover, Regis, is, is in heaven with the angels. It's like, <laughs> oh, we weren't lovers. Oh, so we do not have sex with each other. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, oh, then I must go and find sex elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's most commonly found. It's most commonly found in Hufflepuff, which is what I suspected, but also common in Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. It is unusual, but possible. 
for this Patronus to be in Slytherin. I mean, determined and what was read the first part of the description again. I mean, we've got the loyalty, mm-hmm. but also commitment. That's the word I'm looking for. That was that was one that stood out to me. Committed. Those with St. Bernard can sometimes be hurt easily by others, but more often than not offer a ray of sunshine in a dark world. I am the light in the Slytherin dungeons. (laughs) (laughs) So there we have it. The case is solved. Open and shut case, Johnson. Now it's like we need the uh, we need the name, though. What would be her Marauder code name? Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what is it? Beethoven? Was that the... Beethoven, famous? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Beethoven would be bad. Beethoven would be nice because, you know, Liz is a is a pianist. I haven't touched a piano in years. And yet, still anymore. could probably play the intro to the Phantom of the Opera. I've never been able to do that. You're telling me, Liz, you can't play any show tunes? If you put my Disney music book in front of me, I could probably pilfer my way through something. But what about part the... of your world? Look at this stuff. Yeah, I could probably do that one. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I do still have a bunch of Liz's like old uh, technique and uh, workbooks that I have not used. I was like, okay. did you take those? <laughs> Nor have you returned. <laughs> No, no, they they were given. They were not lent, like the uh, like the Aragon book that I that I borrowed from uh, from you know the Lowers and uh, <laughs> didn't return for like a year and a half later. But in my defense, that's how long it took me to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> like me and the cursed child. <laughs> it was that, took- and also I had uh, Ben's copy of The Return of the King for like three years. Yep. If it's any consolation, it took Nick like three solid years to read The Hobbit, which is probably the most joyful and easiest read of all of Tolkien's work. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. (laughs) Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at The Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.